Rob, it's the intro to the intro. And this month, I've got Santa to join us. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to the festive edition of Alexa Stop. This month, Rob and Jim didn't get a guest. They thought they'd have a lovely chat all in Jim's home in Hackney. That's very good, Jim. Santa's here. That's a great Santa. Do you think? <laughs> think can I earn money doing that Santa impression? <laughs> uh, mate, if this tech stuff doesn't work out for you, I think you just found your calling. Um, it is the intro to the intro, and it is Rob and I having a chat. Thanks for listening this year. Get in touch with us at Alexa underscore stop on Twitter. We are, of course, brought to you in partnership with Disruption. You can get in touch with them at disruptionhub.com and pick up copies of the magazine or go to one of their events and all good things like that. Anything else to say about 2019? No, it's just been a great year. We know we've been a bit stop-start with our programming this year. We've had some big life events going on. Jim obviously has become a father, so we're going to try and get back to a bit of a regular cadence for you in 2020. Rob got married. I got married. That was also a bit disruptive. Uh, I enjoyed our special poolside in in Provence from June. Yeah, just thank you for all your support and and love for the podcast. We're always humbled and and touched by the the comments and, and the feedback that we get. We hope you enjoy our Christmas episode and look forward to coming back for another season in 2020 thank you Alexa stop a podcast about how technology is changing our lives with Robert Belgrave and Jim Bowes well howdy doody my name is Jim Bowes and opposite me is a man called Robert Belgrave and this is Alexa stop a festive special insert some jingle bells if we can be bothered how are you, Rob? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. We're in my living room. We are. It's very festive in here, if I may say so. Pretty festive room, isn't it? Yeah. Today, we are recording live in Hackney at the Bose Maison. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the corner, is, there's some, some doors that go out to a small patio area, which has a Christmas tree right in front of it. A Christmas tree so large, the doors are almost unusable, it has to be said. Come on, it's not that bad. I mean, it's, mate, it's, it's double XL, isn't it? It may be. That's a good five hundred pounds worth of real Christmas tree in Hackney. I reckon. Do you reckon? I reckon it was it was forty pounds from the man <laughs> round the corner. Maybe fifty. That is a banging deal. And then as you casually look round to the left, there is our very small television. We talked about televisions previously on the yeah, show. Definitely small. Some festive lights and things and Christmas cards. You work your way around the room, and I'm sat on a small two seater sofa, and then you're opposite me on another sofa, and that's the scene that we're recording in. Yeah. I think we brought that to life beautifully. Yeah, are you feeling festive? Uh, let's do this. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready. What I wanted to do really is start with pulling an imaginary cracker with you. Okay. Do you cross your arms for the cracker pull, as I think you should? Okay, let's cross our arms okay. for the imaginary yeah. cracker pull. There we go. Three, two, one. I mean, obviously I made that noise. Rob, why don't you read me the joke from the imaginary cracker? Oh, God. Okay. Are you going to put your hat on? Hats don't fit me because I've got a massive head. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> this is a true story. Yeah, everyone always says, "Oh, why haven't you got your paper hat on?" I don't. I can't put my fucking hat on. It doesn't fit. Why did Santa go to the doctor, Jim? I don't know, Rob. Why did Santa go to the doctor? Because of his bad elf. That's amazing. Loved it. Uh, would you like me to read one to you? Read me your joke, Jim. What have you got? Uh, uh, hang about. Let me just put my imaginary hat on. I'm just. Uh, what was the? By the way, what was the gift in your cracker? I got a small set of playing cards. When would you not need a small set of playing cards? <laughs> well, what about you? What did you receive? I got um, three pieces of bent metal that sort of join <laughs> together and allow you to do a sleight of hand trick. 
Excellent. Just what you've always wanted. I was hoping to get the small cellophane fish. The cellophane fish is a good one. I'm always keen on the uh, nail clippers that seem like a useful gift, but somehow never make it home. I think the problem is once you reach a certain age, your nails become tougher and that's enough to break a pair of those clippers. Indeed. Indeed. Come on, hit us with your joke, Jim. Um, What do elves post on social media? I don't know, Jim. They post elfies. Uh, It was good. It was on brand. It was tech, right? I think it's news time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the news. It's the news. Oh, yes, it is the festive news. It is indeed the news. And we are looking ahead to 2020 with some of our news stories this month. We're getting a very festive feeling about us. We're going to look at some trends and things. But there's something that you spotted uh, related to Twitter that you thought was really interesting that looks a little bit to the future. Yeah. So I've become like Jack Dorsey's biggest fanboy recently. I have no idea how that's happened. I don't really like Jack Dorsey very much. Is it because Elon's been letting you down? Yeah, maybe Elon's lost the top spot. I don't know. So you need another sort of slightly suspect American founder <sighs> to be a fanboy of. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe really, when all's said and done, I just want to be an American tech founder. Maybe that's it. It's going to be hard. <laughs> it's quite British. It's very British. We could send you on lessons next year to make you more American founder-like. All right, on next year's Christmas special, I'll do my best American accent. How's okay. that? Sounds good. Not for the whole episode, though. Anyway, back to the news. So one of the big trends for 2020 is that social networks are going to be in the crosshairs, right? Like we've got the, the another election cycle in the US, and as many of you will know, social media played a huge part in electing Trump in, uh, what, what was it, 2018? No. 2016, I guess it would have been. God, that's ages ago. It feels like yesterday. And Twitter have done a number of things recently, which I've seen is quite progressive. They were the first to come out and ban political advertising on their platform, which Google followed suit on, and now Facebook are under a lot of pressure for. And Twitter have come out and announced that they are completely unexpectedly going to commission and fund a small independent team of up to five open source architects, engineers and designers who are going to kind of go back to the original concept that Twitter was sort of exploring when they first began, which is could the standard be a kind of open standard as a platform rather than a a centralized and centrally managed system? A bit like email, right? So email runs on a protocol called SMTP for the apologies to the non-technical people. It's kind of like the underpinnings of, of how email works. And what that means is that everybody can build email programs that all can interoperate with each other on the internet, right? So Outlook and Thunderbird and Apple Mail and all these different things all work with each other without needing to be built or controlled by the same central system. Social networks have kind of moved away from that model in recent times, as have a lot of the kind of giants of the internet. They're proprietary, closed wall walled gardens as people sometimes call them closed ecosystems and what twitter are looking to do is could they evolve the product into an open standard for social media with the ultimate goal for twitter as a business to be a client of that standard right which is an incredibly progressive thing and many people thought that's what twitter was going to become when it first began and it kind of moved away from that. Yeah, that's right. They were originally exploring SMS, weren't they? I think, which is what the character limits were all to do with. Exactly, yeah. And so, I mean, look, let's put this in context. Five people is less people than work in Twitter's canteen, right? <laughs> so it's it's not exactly the biggest in financial investment, but it signals the beginning of what might become a, a really interesting trend next year. I think it would be really exciting to see a standard applied. I think like, you know, mobile networks have always entirely been built around these sorts of standards, telephone systems, all forms of networking, really. And then I suppose the opportunity the internet gives has been this place where people can make their own versions of everything without really adhering to standards, apart from, I guess, the very foundational standards like HTTP. 
look, I think you can see why the social networks are starting to push back on being in control of everything because if you're in control of everything you're responsible for it and the moderation burden is becoming really significant like I don't know if you've seen the Facebook court cases recently where there's a big class action I guess it would be I think in the states where some lawyers are representing a huge body of the people who were employed to be moderators on Facebook claiming like serious emotional damage for what they were subjected to having to moderate all the terrible stuff that goes on Facebook every day and so there's a there's a kind of growing problem there and a, and a liability for these networks which I think they'd like to move away from being responsible for and this sort of solves that as well or solely responsible for I think yeah we've started to become uneasy with actually the burden that they might have to bear although they perhaps have historically not taken on enough of it. I think it would be reasonable to say they've, they've profited from uh, allowing certain things to occur on their platform and say, you know, the, the answer, we only provide a platform, basically isn't going to be good enough anymore. Right. And so, you know, fair play to Twitter for being progressive in that regard. And so, unbelievably, for not the first time, but I guess the last time this year on this podcast, I'm giving Jack Dorsey a compliment. So, uh, wow, that just happened. You know, compliments from Rob all round if you're an American founder that's not Elon Musk at the moment, I guess. Indeed. Although Cybertruck, well, that's another story. How do you feel about the Cybertruck? Oh, is it PR or is it a product? I'm not sure. It's ugly. Some people love it. I'm sure they do. I mean, like, you know, some people love brutalist architecture. Yeah. Is it the vehicle equivalent of brutalist architecture? I Uh, guess so. Does it have windows you can't smash or can you smash them? Who knows? (laughs) It wasn't really on our list to discuss. No, it wasn't. Listener, if you're not familiar with the Cybertruck, it's some like crazy SUV that Tesla launched this year, which may or may not ever turn up. We'll see. It looks like a child that only had a trigonometry set for Christmas designed it. (laughs) It looks like something out of an 80s action movie. Yeah, I mean, in some sci-fi action movie kind of cool like if you're yeah. into airwolf, um, <laughs> yeah, airwolf or uh what's that one with arnold where his face melts off in the future i don't know i don't know total recall if total recalls your vibe or a bit of or blade runner i mean it does look yeah. like something the a-team knocked up in in you know a quarter of an episode yeah, indeed anyway what else have we got in the news for this month jim we've got some uh, trends for 2020 um, and uh, this is mostly from an article uh, the BBC have written, but I thought they had some good themes in there and uh, just worth touching on a couple of them. Spaceships are going to be big next year. Next year? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's funny how normal it's become that SpaceX have these rockets that just come back down and land now. They just do it like routinely. It must have been no more than a year ago that the first one pulled that off and everyone freaked out right and now they do it like twice a month or something so the big difference for 2020 is that this is about people in spaceships again uh so the virgin galactic guys and and Uh, due to deliver next year yeah uh boeing have a um space travel thing next year and also so does spacex so three people with passenger space stuff going on potentially next year amazing and initially that's all space tourism right as they're calling it but then the next step beyond that will be using it as a means to get from say london to sydney more quickly by going into orbit and you know they've got these ideas haven't they about using it for kind of the longest distance flights as a replacement in the future it's certainly very interesting that one of the players there is boeing who've had really what you could only describe as an atrocious year because yes, of the tech on with the, the 737 MAX exactly. and that whole scandal. And I suppose you start to wonder whether some good news stories around a space-capable vehicle would be something that could help them turn around their fortunes. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not getting on a Boeing-designed spaceship anytime soon. No? <laughs> How do you feel about that? 
I mean, I'm not going on any spaceship anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. So like, I'm going to wait for the first 100,000, maybe a million, maybe 10 million other people to do this. Uh, and, and when that day comes, I'll probably choose the Airbus option, I reckon. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I guess that's the problem that they're having to face. Indeed. So um, spaceships are going to be big next year. Cool. Also, um, this has been big this year, but I think there's going to be a lot of effort trying to make us think that we want bendy screens next year. You think so? Yeah, I think they're going to try and make us want them. You know, obviously CES is in February, which is the yeah, big yeah. consumer electronics show that we often talk about. I think there'll be a lot of bending screens at CES. Yeah, sort of bendy circuit boards and bendy screens is all coming through, isn't it? I mean, probably the most interesting bendy screen device this year was actually the Microsoft stuff that looked really good. And I don't think it's shipping yet, which is why we haven't started seeing them around. But they announced, I think, three bendy screen devices, if certainly two, as Android smartphones, basically, which sort of came and went very quickly from the press but look really good actually and like the most polished kind of um, final product that anybody's put to market so I think you're probably right there'll be lots of that next year personally I remain unsure whether I need a bendy screen in my life but we'll see yeah I think I share that with you I don't feel like I care that much and I don't think I'm going to buy one but I feel like the drive to make them desirable objects and to point out to us why we need them which I'm still you know it's a little bit lost on me I think that will happen next year I mean, it's got to the point where people don't bother buying the latest smartphone because the one they've got is good enough. So you've got to have some way to keep everyone buying the next thing and maybe it's bendy screens. But it could also be 5G. Well, I mean, 5G is finally rolling out. I know that it's it's currently available in parts of London, for example, in some uh, specific cities. I think Bournemouth was one of the early pilots where they had a, a 5G network. And, and what that basically means is it's faster, but also it's much lower latency, which opens up different types of things like gaming, which weren't really possible before. So, so like multiplayer gaming on mobile or mobile connectivity and things like that. So what do you think 5G is going to do next year? I mean, I think the main thing is that the next version of the iPhone on a sort of 400 quid phone has it on it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really... It's, it's when the devices that people will definitely buy anyway uh, start to have a capability that it starts to make a difference. It's a bit of a tangent, but the whole like industry 4.0 thing where your washing machine talks to your toaster and all that stuff is, is touted to be enabled by 5G and they think that'll be a key part of it. And also some of the autonomous vehicle tech that's coming. And so we'll, we'll see. I mean, the interesting thing about that sort of home tech stuff, you know, I have a Wi-Fi enabled washing machine. What does that do for you? What it does is it tells me whenever the washing machine finishes Handy. And it auto-doses fabric softener and detergent. Ooh, luxury. Uh, and uh, it monitors the levels of those in the machine, and I can access that data from absolutely anywhere. How often do you reckon you use that on a monthly basis? I mean, it, it always notifies me whether or not it's me doing the washing. And how often are you pleased that you receive that notification? I'm not sad. <laughs> less than 50% of the time <laughs> judging by your face okay but I, what, what my point was actually that the, the manufacturers of these devices the quality of their app writing skills and things is it actually still just not quite there yeah the sure. apps are not that great yeah and I think before the connectivity of the toaster and the washing machine having a conversation which maybe will be something but I feel like they still need to fix the experience of the human in the loop part of that yeah I agree um, so on to my final trend uh, that I wanted to talk about, and that is sort of generally uh, green tech. So I think the pressure on everyone in the tech industry to demonstrate that they give a shit about the climate emergency will be absolutely critical in 2020. Um, I can certainly say that, that, that those conversations have become much more important in my business, but I think the major players 
I believe that people like Amazon Web Services are really going to have to demonstrate they care more than they have demonstrated so far because of the sort of major hosting platforms, I think Google are leading the way. Uh, Microsoft are perhaps not too far behind. Yeah, Microsoft not doing too badly. They've had some interesting stuff like they did this submerged data center and it's a bit of a PR thing, frankly, but it's interesting and they are spending real money trying to develop those technologies. And the most opaque of those players, certainly of the Western players, is Amazon. I think they will come under pressure to do a bit more next year. Yeah, and you know, look, we're in our news segment. There's definitely been lots in the news over the last quarter, particularly at the back end of the year, about the climate emergency and and some of the challenges it presents. People familiar with with me will know I've been touting Offset Earth, a, a business I yeah. uh, which will probably become a charity in time that I co-founded, which is a subscription service where you can offset both your individual or your business's carbon footprint, your business's workforce carbon footprint by planting trees and, and sort of supporting schemes that offset carbon. So it's been really interesting actually seeing the response to that. And that is growing really well. Like we've got real organic traction with it now and it's picking up and we've planted, I think, half a million trees now or something in six months, which is incredible. So people are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And I think businesses are starting to realise that their consumers expect that of them as well. So. But it's about more than that, isn't it? It's about offsetting is part of an ecosystem of things that you do but actually taking conscious responsibility for the impact you recreate. I think why people offset and their level of wanting to understand offsetting has grown this year. Yeah. And because before it was, if I pay this money over here, I don't have to feel guilty about this thing over here. Greenwashing, as it's sometimes called. Yeah. And, and so I think that that sort of like actually taking responsibility for your actions and understanding why and how you offset as part of a mix of other activities is now what's expected. Yeah, and a very short story on that. So I went to a great conference this year called One Question run by um, the amazing Sarah Parsonage. She runs it every year. It's worth checking out. And they had this question about can profit and purpose coexist in a business? And she had some amazing speakers on the day, one of which was the, I think, CMO. Uh, I might have got the title wrong, but senior executive at Patagonia. Patagonia were talking about their journey to creating a sustainable supply chain. And what was really interesting was that they had initially overcome all of their own hurdles around being carbon neutral and, and not changing their behaviors and the way they bought product and all that kind of stuff. But then they had to start to look at their supply chain, right? And so one of their fabrics manufacturers was a Japanese-based company who had this huge operation and had said that they weren't able to meet these standards. And actually what Patagonia went to this company and said was, look, we'll pay the difference. Like whatever it costs, we want your product. It's the product of all the, you know, we've, we've done extensive research. This is the product for us. It meets all the quality we want and everything else. So whatever it costs to solve this problem, we'll help you solve it. To which they said, oh, in that case, fine. It costs 20% more or whatever it was. And so that factory changed its procedures so that it was carbon neutral and, and in doing so, Patagonia actually became carbon positive because what they did was not only change their own supply chain, but every other customer of that factory now also was buying a carbon neutral product. So it's really interesting seeing the forces in the market that are changing and how that actually goes upstream. And so let's say, I don't know, let's say one of AWS's biggest accounts, the government or something, just says, we cannot use your product for this $10 billion contract if you don't make your entire operations carbon neutral. That will change their outlook right and then everybody else benefits from it too so there is a sort of snowball of change happening there which is in the news at the moment absolutely and i think that's what's absolutely critical and that's why i think actually people like amazon will have to catch up because google and microsoft are doing better and there are others separate to them who are the sort of early movers that are actually i guess showing the way to people like google and then microsoft i think that will be a huge story next year Perhaps one other thing that it's worth mentioning is with a US election, I think computational propaganda and the impact or how we're affected by the media we consume and fake news and all of that will be well and truly still on the agenda. 
most definitely and i'm sure we'll be covering that in uh, a number of episodes next year i think it's about time we had a story from your cto Yes, and uh, well, this month we're combining our CTO story with your favourite new segment, Jim. Is it dad tech? Is it dad tech? Is it dad tech? Whoop! With a very dad tech style jingle as well. So you're combining these things because you've actually started to believe in this feature. That's what I'm taking from it. No, no, that's not what's happened. But we are indeed combining the segments all the same. So... The reason we're doing that is because my CTO told me a story as a callback to our dad tech coverage in last month's episode where you talked about an amazing thermometer that you'd purchased to uh, monitor your, your new baby. It's right next door to you in the bedroom. It's a, a an egg-shaped lamp that carries the temperature and glows a different colour based on how hot the room is. That's high-tech stuff. So anyway, my, uh, my CTO's father-in-law is a very kind Texan gentleman who I happen to have met. Howdy. <laughs> yeah. He took me for shrimp. It was an experience when I was over there in Dallas this year doing some work with them. But anyway, he's a lovely man and he's done pretty well in his life. He owns a fairly large pest control business, believe it or not, which is, which is big money in Texas. Lots of uh, term, termites and armadillos and seriously and stuff like that. Imagine this big sort of farming thing there. Presumably yeah. have to deal with pests in relation to that. Well, he casually said to me that he had a small business and it's like a 70 million pound business or something. So it, the scales are just different out there, right? But anyway... He loves fine wines, as many successful Texan businessmen do. And he's a member of a club where you can pay them to store your fine wines in a very carefully controlled environment and set them up for you in a sort of like display so you can take your fellow friends or successful rich people, I don't know, like family members, to this basement in your club and show them your delicious fine wines and maybe, maybe drink a bottle or two of them as well while you're there. And uh, did you get an invite wrong? No, I didn't get an invite. I got a shrimp lunch. <laughs> Maybe next year. But um, you're going to have to keep working. Yeah, on that we're going to have to keep working with those guys. But anyway, apparently the piece of technology, because my CTO was lucky enough to receive an invitation as the son-in-law, of course. And he has also, as a fellow dad, spotted the piece of dad tech he recognised, which they use to make sure the multi-million pounds worth of wine is kept at the correct temperature, is one of those thermometers that they have sat on the floor. And you say that like that's ridiculous, Rob, but, but if I'm using it to look after literally my child, another human being, then I guess what we're saying here is that to those Texans... Those bottles of wine are like their children. I guess so. And when you put it in that context, I suppose the rigorous testing it has to go through probably makes a lot of sense. Suitable product. Yeah, there for, we go. For, for wine temperature. There we go, listeners. If you happen to own a fine wine cellar, the product you should use to ensure consistent temperature is a magic egg baby thermometer. There you go. Glow eggs. All the way. Shall we take it back to the hype curve? Retro hype curve. It's retro hype curve time. Let's Does this do have it. a jingle? No, no jingle for this. Just some banter. Okay. I love this one. This is a great story. So you pointed out today that in the trough of disillusionment in 2009 was online video. And at this time of year, when we're all going to be consuming more and more sort of TV or, or, or streamed media than ever before, thinking that only 10 years ago, we were apparently just sick and thought that, you know, all streaming services were rubbish is kind of mind boggling. Yeah, it is. So just a, a quick reminder on this segment, we like to look at some of Gartner's hype cycle projections from previous years. So this was the a projection in 2009. They felt that online video had kind of peaked in terms of its excitement and was on its way into the trough of disillusionment, where technology tends to languish for a while before it ultimately succeeds or dies, right? And so 
just 10 years ago, we weren't streaming video online. We were not watching hundreds and hundreds of hours of YouTube videos like we are now. And it's unbelievable, like you say, to think that in 10 years, we've gone from there to this year's Golden Globes nominations for 2020, where Netflix netted 17 nominations, which is far more than Sony, who only had eight as the runner-up, and considerably more than the traditional trophy magnets, you know, Fox and, and the other US studios. So it's here. It's crushed it, right? We all stream all of our television now, pretty much. Certainly the millennial generation and beyond do. And that trend is never going to reverse, right? So uh, it's an amazing transformation in 10 years. It's really interesting because actually Amazon Video launched in 2006 and 2007 Netflix launched. So what we probably had here is the peak of inflated expectations and then the sink into the trough, which came relatively quickly. So this was a very fast moving hype curve thing because actually what we see in September 2010 is when Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. And then by 2011, we're, we're kind of coming out, out the other side, right? So just a really interesting kind of snapshot as you all sit there and enjoy your you know, endless content via streaming services, your box set binges this Christmas. What were the things that Netflix got nominated for? Marriage Story was great. If you've not watched that, it's worth a look. The Irishman has been very successful as well. I've not got around to watching The Irishman yet. I hear it's a bit long, but some people really enjoyed that. It's one of those classics. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, there we go. There's our throwback on the hype curve. There was one other little bit of festive bants in relation to the hype curve. We thought we'd get a little bit meta with you. So it all started in 1995. Yes, indeed. And then uh, peaked and became hugely popular during the dot-com boom in around the year 2000. What happened then? It fell out of favour and slumped into the uh, trough of disillusionment in 2008. And then since then, it's becoming popular again as we reach the plateau of productivity. So it's a very special interview on Alexa Stop this month because Rob and I are going to interview each other As a new tradition in our festive special, we plan to do this every single year. We're only a couple of days before Christmas when we're recording this. And so it gives us an opportunity to reflect a little, to look forward a little, to just spend some time together, really, and chat to each other. Yeah, I think it's lovely. And as as much as I'll miss Pete Trainer in his reindeer onesie from last year's Christmas special, I think it's time that you and I had a chance to have a little chat. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, Rob, let me ask you a question. If you could get one Christmas gift in your stocking this year that was of a tech nature, what would it be? Of a tech nature? Christmas. The snow's coming down. One Christmas gift of a tech nature. Oh, I don't know. What have I been looking at this year? I guess I'm sort of vaguely considering finally adding loads of smart, home stuff to my heating which i've never done which is really boring and like middle-aged but it's exceptionally i think dad tech's rubbing off on you oh, what have you done to me i was looking at the tada smart thermostat and radiator thing but then i found out that they charge you three pounds a month to use it which is just an absolute rinse so i'm not going to buy that what, monthly recurring yeah. revenue from your heating control ridiculous which is annoying because actually i'd got as far as working out that was the best product and the one i wanted but then 
at the 11th hour discovered they'd sort of Trojan horse this subscription in, which everyone was furious about, by the way. Imagine this future where you can be left literally cold in your home because you haven't paid your device subscription. You you don't get the geofencing thing, which is why you want smart heating, which is basically the feature that means it knows when you're not in the house, right? Seems quite important. And the other thing you don't get if you don't pay is the open window detection where it turns off your heating if your windows are open, which I don't really care very much about. But anyway, I've got that built in. So what would I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would I have in my stocking? I would have a full TADA home heating smart control system without the subscription service. That's or what, that's or what if I someone paid for the subscription for you. <laughs> or if some, maybe that could be included in the gifts. <laughs> then that would be there sort we of go. suitable. What about you, Jim? What would your ideal piece of tech be as a festive treat this year? Do you know what I'd really love? Go on. I'd like a really fancy ice cream maker. Okay, what, like a Mr. Whippy machine? No, no, not like a full-on... <laughs> yeah, I want, I want, I'll tell you what I want. I want a full-on ice cream... <laughs> and a thousand flakes <laughs> yeah. in foil. No, I'd, I'd like a, 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 a pretty advanced machine for making my own gelato. I like those MasterChef things that never freeze the ice cream in time. Yeah, Heston makes one. Oh, yeah, and, 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 I bet he and, does. But I wouldn't mind a sort of commercial one. You know, I, I, I don't really want a domestic appliance. I'd okay. Like, I'd like a commercial kitchen ice cream maker, if possible. So for the Jimbo's in your life, listeners, ice cream maker. Because really, I just love pizza and ice cream. It's a great combo. What pizza tech is there you could have to go with your ice cream maker? I mean, I'd like a proper wood-fired, stone-built pizza oven. It's not very tech heavy. No, it's low tech. It's it, low tech. That's why I went for the ice cream maker you for the purpose. You'd have of to this get show. like a laser thermometer or something to make sure it was up to temperature, just to tech it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, but I think there is an, a thread of pizza and ice cream in my future, and 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 so I think I need to hone my skills. I mean, today when Rob and, and Laura came over, so Louise and Laura um, and my daughter Millie are just hanging out in another room while we record this. I made a sponge. I made a Victoria sponge that you had a piece of earlier. Delicious. But I'm, I'm going to be moving on to ice cream next year. So moving on from cake to ice cream. Is that from the plan? Cake to ice cream. That's the plan, yeah. Big, big nice. plan. Luxury. Tell me this, Rob. If you could augment one part of your body with tech, what would it be? Undoubtedly my immune system. I don't have to think about that one. I hate this time of year. Everyone gets like some sort of disgusting cold, don't they? Like... I don't know, the job I do as CEO of Wildhive, I spend loads of time talking to people, right? Like in quite close quarters, quite often involving drinks in the evening at dinners and events and such like. And I think a combination of that and sitting in meeting rooms with air conditioning with lots of different people all day in, day out and public transport in London means you basically are always going to get ill at this time of year. There's just nothing you can do about it, right? And so every year about this time of year, this year being no exception, I find myself battling some sort of dirty man flu cold epidemic. Well, we'll say it's miraculous that Rob sounds as good as he does now because <laughs> he was pretty much like slumbering into the sofa about 20 minutes ago. Yes. And it didn't look like this episode was going to happen not, for a few moments. It's not pretty. So I'd love some sort of like tech immune shield. That would be good, wouldn't it? Do you think McAfee would uh, be one of the vendors? <laughs> taking antivirus to a whole new level that's a good dad joke by the way thanks congratulations and i wrote that one myself yeah. just in that very moment that's good yeah yeah <laughs> one of for some of your finer work actually uh, ouch and jim what would you augment what would you like your toes not been great i've had a bad leg this year is it your gout <laughs> jim suffers from gout listeners because of his 
luxurious lifestyle. We don't know if that's true. I'm okay. going to be seeing a specialist okay. in the new year. Uh, but I'm happy to confirm in a future episode exactly what I've been suffering with. But yeah, I've been stopped from dancing uh, this festive season by having a dodgy leg. So I would probably get a cyborg leg that could uh, uh, enable me to dance freely. Obviously, there are many people out there that have had prosthetic limbs because they really need them. So, you know, I'm not wishing to be lack empathy for their situation but if i could get one easily fitted that enabled me to be twinkle toes i would like that this festive season anything that lets you turn up to your britney spears dance workshops fighting fit exactly basically. exactly that. okay all right yeah so cyborg limbs and tech enabled immune systems would be our tech augmentations i mean to be honest when i heard you say that I became sort of jealous and wished that I just said, because to be honest, if I had a tech-enabled immune system, I wouldn't have this problem with my leg and I could just keep the normal one fully working which, and that would be fine. might be preferable. All right. Well, look, let's move to our final big question of the year, which is what are your biggest hopes for 2020? Well, what are you looking forward to, I suppose, next year? Next year is going to be a huge year for the world really considering itself. I think the climate emergency, as we mentioned earlier in the programme, is going to be a huge topic of conversation. I think in the UK, which is where we're from, I think we're going to still be stuck in endless Brexit discussion. So my biggest hope for next year is that we take genuine positive action to some of the biggest challenges in the world. I hope that technology is seen as part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I hope it fulfills its ability to be and to do that. And I hope that Brexit doesn't consume every news broadcast for the next 12 months while the negotiations with the rest of Europe happen. What are your biggest hopes for next year, Rob? Oh God, that's depressing. On a personal note, I'm hoping to try and find a new house next year. So I would love for that to happen successfully. That would be great. I think for the business, you know, we've had a great year of growth and it would just be fantastic to continue that and, you know, hire more amazing people and continue to grow what we're doing at Wildhive. But I think more importantly for the world and you know for the future of our race i think tech i really strongly believe is responsible for some of our problems but absolutely has the answers to them as well and i think you know part of what inspired this whole podcast about how technology is changing our lives is the positive ways in which it's doing that right and so i think so many different areas like if you look at social media we've we've had quite a lot of uh conversation this year about the negative sides right in our episodes with dan harvey for example and, and some of the stuff we've covered i think this year there's been a kind of growing realization of the damage that we're doing to certainly some of the younger generations you know who are ultimately the biggest social experiment in human history right in terms of their exposure to pornography in terms of the exposure to bullying online and all these different kind of things right so i think for me on the on the tech side i would love to see technology continue to answer some of our biggest problems and i think the climate is definitely one area i think some of the stuff around travel is absolutely massive you know i think so many things we still take for granted like access to the internet right like i think that still only about 60 percent of the world's population has access to high-speed internet access it would be great to see that grow massively because i think that democratizes education and, and information generally and creates huge positive trends energy is massive like i still think technology holds the answers to energy i think clean energy is such a key part of the future of our race and our, our, our species and our planet right i mean as someone angrily said to me when i said please save our planet recently they went planet's going to be fine it's us lot that are scuppered right so maybe technology can keep us alive on this planet as opposed to the planet alive itself i think that 
through technology we're starting to answer some of the challenges around extinction and and disruption of like animal ecosystems and I, I don't know i'm sort of waffling on about positive change but i really really hope that we see technology continue to make the world a better place as we've seen it do this year in so many ways and i hope that some of the platforms that are being used to pervert the conversations that we have with each other and the relationships that humans have with each other are brought into line and as people start to wake up a bit to the negatives that some of these platforms are having on democracy and society generally the answers are found fair play to twitter as we covered in this episode there's lots more to do there and they all need to participate i really hope that that stuff starts to come through next year as well and you know what as you say i really hope some of these sort of polarized political debates that people are having can be left behind and we can all just kind of get on with what's next right like it's happened in the uk in america whatever it's time to move forward i feel like it would be fantastic if we could all just kind of get on with it next year and and i really hope that that happens me too and just to finish off if you could have one guest on the program next year who would that be one guest next year oh god it's jack dorsey isn't it no it's not it's not jack dorsey i don't know actually that's a good question I mean, from tech, it would be hard not to just go Elon, right? I'd be really interested to interview Satya Nadella from Microsoft, the CEO of Microsoft. He was the Financial Times Man of the Year this year. He's completely turned that business around. We do loads of work with Microsoft, so I, I guess I'm kind of close to it. But he's just changed, you know, a business that is arguably one of the most poignant in our lives, really, in terms of what Microsoft have done. Put a PC on every desk was their original mission. And he's really genuinely transformed that business for good and created trillions of dollars of shareholder value in the process. So it sort of seems like maybe that's an example of capitalism being allowed to succeed alongside ethics and purpose. And and so he just seems like a really interesting guy. So I'd love to interview him. What about you? There could be some big hitters. I could say it would be great to get Greta on. I mean, there's a few things to pick up with her, like that death stare at <laughs> Trump. Scowl at Trump. That, that, yeah. was, that would be a great thing to have a chat with her about. But actually, do you know what? I'd quite like us to talk to some people that don't give a shit about tech. Okay. I would see that as a challenge for us because we're so centered in that world. And obviously, we've traditionally brought people onto the program that somehow relate to our world. But I'd like to sort of challenge ourselves with some people that maybe come from further outside our realm. One of the things that was really interesting about when um, Andy Budd did the UV Agenda is that he brought together everyone from science fiction writers to comedians and things like that. And so I wonder if we might expand our own horizons next year by getting a slightly more diverse set of guests. Sounds good. Better get booking. Let's do it. <laughs> well, Jim, what a pleasure it's been. Thank you for having me in your uh, Hackney living room for our Christmas special. Thank you so much for being here and uh, Merry Christmas to everyone that listens to Alexa Stop and Merry Christmas to you, Rob. Merry Christmas, Jim. Merry Christmas, listeners. So this is Jim. That's our festive special done. Thanks for making it to the end. Please leave us a message on Anchor if you've got something you want to say about the show. We'll leave a link in the show notes that tell you how to do that and have a fabulous and Merry Christmas. Rob, anything you'd like to add? Merry Christmas, listeners. We love you all. Wherever you are, I hope you have a great festive season. Recharge those batteries and we'll see you in 2020.